Hello, ladies. The Big Balboski here. And right now, you're listening to the Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, they talking all of this Hello everybody and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery Jr. And with me this week is my good friend, Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd, Alo. How's it going? It's doing good. I just noticed that we're still, we still kept that Wednesday thing going on. Yeah, all no, this time. <laughs> well, I remember the first week, it was either the week before we moved to Thursdays or the week after I asked you, or the week of, I asked you if you wanted to keep it at Wednesday or move it to Thursday. And you said, oh, let's wait and see. And I guess we're still waiting and seeing because <laughs> it has not changed yet. And actually, I may... Uh, Throw it out there for everyone that we, I almost think we might as well go back to Wednesdays because the Thursday thing really, it really kind of doesn't make a difference for us. Well, we're rarely, just because it's an extra day to prepare. Yeah, we're rarely actually talking about whatever's happening on Wednesday night. Like, I, I kind of thought we would. Uh, it just didn't didn't really pan out that way. Well, there is one thing I, I, mm-hmm. I do want to bring up. It's nothing, I'm sure the guys will be like, it's small. But yeah. I, from what I've heard, I heard Rio and uh, Nyla Rose had an excellent match for the women's title this past week. Uh, Jeff Cobb, he's joined the inner circle. But one of my favorite Pairings and impact, not impact. Uh, Dynamite in is now is Britt Baker with Tony Schiavone. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure if you pay attention to this. Have you? No, I have no idea what you're about to say. <laughs> okay, so basically for the last three weeks, have, did you see Britt Baker's promo on the boat? Yes, I did see okay. that. That was terrible. But the last few weeks since then, she's been great. Uh, they were in Cleveland a few weeks ago, and but like the whole I'm better than you. Thing. I'm smarter than you. I have three three degrees, and the fact that she's a dentist, she's actually like shooting on people's teeth, <laughs> <laughs> which I do find hysterical. You, you know my long personal history with teeth, so yes, it. Uh, I I do very much appreciate that a dentist going after teeth. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, like she's calling it like what it is. Like your number nineteen is this, <laughs> and it's, so it, it's fun. So basically, like on the boat. She went at Tony Tony Schiavone for being a barista at Starbucks, and I'm sure you've seen the the clip of him. He goes like he whispers like, "What the fuck?" And, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then uh, the the next week on the next week on Dynamite, she uh she basically cuts a promo on everybody, including Jr. saying Jr. You can't even get everybody's names right and stuff. Then mm. this isn't the WWE, and they were in Cleveland. So so to end the promo, she was like, "Congratulations, Cleveland." You finally have a baker you could trust in. <laughs> like she has been. That's on like fire. some Elias level. Yes, like sports fan fire. trolling. Yeah, so she did it again this week in Austin. They were in Austin, Texas, and it was about what a burger. It wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't as nothing as lethal as what that show she was putting yeah. out the weeks prior. But I really enjoyed that pairing, and every week is her, is her and Tony Schiavone. On the stage, and it's funny because like she acknowledges like on social media like, oh I love you Tony, we're like the best team ever, 
<laughs> and then she shits on him when they go and when they go on TV. Like she she gives him a hug when they, when they walk on stage, and then she shits on him. And he's aware that she does, or no? Do they put yes. it off like he? Okay. Um, well, that's interesting because you obviously know I came on this podcast. I believe it was the the night after the premiere of Dynamite, or was it before then? It was probably the premiere of Dynamite. She had a match, and I came on here and made the claim that she stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, a good character can win me over. I don't even care what you do in the ring if you have a good character, yeah. if you have an entertaining character. Oh, yeah. You would love, you would love this. Because so like it, said, she's pointing out her degrees and stuff like that. You'll, you'll enjoy this. I'm already ten times more interested in her <laughs> than I was, you know, when... Dynamite started, and I haven't even seen any of it. Just hearing about it, hearing the level of thought that went into it, the level of detail. You know I love some good trolling, so it sounds promising to me. So maybe I'll go out of my way to... And you know I hate Tony Schiavone, but I think maybe I'll go out of my way to watch some of this uh, Schiavone, Britt Baker stuff. Sounds like it's worth my while. Yeah, the clips are on AEW's YouTube channel, and like he sells it perfectly. Yeah, and I appreciate it. Like, like, like it's it's a work, but like he, the fact that he he's an integral part of it because he's just taking the beating from her. Yeah. Also, Cleveland, home of one of my favorite wrestling venues, uh, Gundarina, which I'm sure you remember from back in the day. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if it's still standing anywhere, but I do remember Gundarina from many Monday Night Raws past. I'm trying to remember. That's what... not. That's not. That's not the cue now. It might be. I don't know if it's the same building th- or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they, they got renamed. Okay, so it's not a new arena. It just has a new name. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the one in St. Louis was. I know this is probably not the best podcasting in the world. Um, but I really... Because I'm pretty sure the arena in St. Louis is where... The Owen Hart uh, incident happened. Almost positive. Oh, my God. What is it called? This is really bothering me because I reference it, like, all the time. I might have to look up just the St. Louis Blues and see what their arenas were. Well, that was in Missouri where Owen Hart passed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it it was St. Louis, Missouri. No, it was Kansas City, Missouri. Was it really? Yeah, that was that was at Kemper Arena. Kemper Arena. That's what I was thinking of. That wasn't St. Louis. Huh. No, it says I can't. Uh, okay. Well, I'm glad then that Kansas I didn't City. keep searching St. Louis. Yeah, Kemper Arena is what I was thinking of. Uh, another one of my favorite arena names uh, from from WWE in the past. Uh, but this week we are discussing and reviewing. Uh, takeover arrival, the first ever NXT takeover, almost six years ago to the day, uh, took place February twenty seventh, two thousand fourteen, live from Dork Central. Uh, <laughs> and anyone who listens to this podcast knows why I'm saying that. Uh, I remember. So the the first thing I'll say before we get into the actual show, I was definitely not watching WWE yet. Again, at least not regularly. And I hadn't seen NXT yet, but I had seen ads for it. And I remember seeing ads and like just rolling my eyes at it, being like, oh, that's what those wrestling fans probably like. 
And those by those wrestling fans, I know you know what I mean. And I was like, eh, I can never see myself getting into this. Like, if those, if those people like it. But by the end of this actual year is when it, like, hooked me and played a big role in me becoming passionate about wrestling again. So, like, literally 10 months later, I was, like, jumping onto the NXT bandwagon. And at this point, I was like, get out of here. I will never watch that. Uh, had you watched NXT yet at this point? And if so, like, what did you think of it? And if you hadn't, what did you think of it? Well... I had heard of Paige, and I think NXT was airing on Hulu, but I didn't have Hulu at the time, but you can still find some stuff on YouTube, and this is before YouTube is kind of what it is now, and you just like kind of like browse around on YouTube and see NXT, and I heard some buzz about how the women in NXT can actually go, and at this time, some WWE superstars, they would actually end up on NXT, so that's where you get your clips of CM Punk down there, Randy Orton, RVD, Caitlyn, the Divas Champion at the time, AJ Lee, with one of my favorite NXT backstage moments with Bayley of all time. <laughs> so, I, so I was aware, and... Paige caught my attention because I heard about her and in Summer Rae. Uh, when we review this show, you, you'll notice, I'm sure, since it's just me and you, we can we can come to an agreement on this. But even even though it's only six years, it doesn't seem like a lot of time, but that style has changed. In oh, wrestling, yeah. It's like it's not a lot of time, but it also a lot of time, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. For example, like I think Summer Rae was a, a, a pretty decent worker. If you ask anybody about it six years later, like, oh, no, she was, she sucked or whatever, but she was a big part of NXT and their big, their, their upbringing. And she, she would feud with Paige and like the whole BFFs thing started, but it was mainly Paige, which kind of drew me to NXT. And then I already knew about the whole Seth Rollins thing because Seth Rollins, when he debuted with the shield, he was NXT champion. Then he dropped the title to Big E and it was just random YouTube stuff that I would come across that actually, I actually saw about NXT. Yeah, I just remember seeing the commercials and being like, nope, not for me. <laughs> uh, so show opens, obviously. How else could it open than with Triple H putting himself over? Could it open? Could it start any other way? It couldn't. Paul did look a lot younger to me. He did. He had hair. He's aged since yeah, then. Terribly. So six years has been, he's lived every bit of six years since then. Yeah, and and one thing about this show was uh, nobody looks almost the same anymore. No, no, not at all. I don't think any of them do. Yeah, one uh, person in particular, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, but she'll be like there, there was there was something I wanted to say, but I didn't know this person was in the crowd already, so it added to the <laughs> shtick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get to it. Yes. Um, other thing that I found interesting was that obviously this is their first like big event like this. And it was being billed as like basically that we're showcasing the next generation. And how many of these people truly became part of the next generation? How many of them exactly. have truly succeeded in WWE? Like maybe one? Yeah, before before uh, we got cut off last week, and I, I want to do this now. Mm-hmm. During some of these matches and throughout this show, I'm going to ask you what the hell happened. So <laughs> I'm going to go with A, what is this or uh -huh. what was this? B, Vince. C, C, didn't translate or D, all the above. Okay. Because some of this stuff, I was just like, what the hell? 
And sometimes I was like, okay, that's Vince, or didn't translate, and then sometimes I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, so when they said that, I'm like, oh, this will be interesting, because I really didn't know what all the matches were, like, off the top of my head. I wasn't really sure. And I was like, okay, I'm curious how many of these people are actually the next generation. And as I got to the end of it, I was like, it's like almost none of them. Like, yeah. really, and that's not to say that there aren't some of them that are still there or some of them that haven't had some level of success, but there, there's only one person that showed up on this card that has really done anything really meaningful since then. And yeah, it's it would. Someone, yeah, and someone of significance in the company still. And, yeah, it, it is, is Xavier Woods, which is weird because he was kind of even like an afterthought on that show. Yeah. Like, I don't know how big he was in NXT, obviously, because I wasn't watching it back then. But I have to assume Tyler Breeze was more of a focus for NXT than Xavier Woods was. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this was some of these guys on this card, they were already transitioning into the main roster, uh, including Xavier Woods, because he was teaming with R-Truth and the Funkodactyls at this time. Then Cesaro would come back. Emma was already on Raw for the most part. So a lot of these, few of these guys, they were actually transitioning to the main WWE roster at the time. So that's one thing I felt also felt interested. Yeah, very strange. Like one person that truly succeeded and then a bunch of missed opportunities. <laughs> yes. Really. Like that's what that what this show is. Um William Regal on commentary, not the Excellent. GM yet. Excellent. Which was was interesting. I didn't realize he wasn't the GM yet. He was excellent, as always. Uh before we get into the matches though, uh are we gonna do ratings? Yes, we can do ratings. Howard does, he does join NXT as well. So come on in, Howard. The Flaming Podcast has a rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slower knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings. It will get a show stopper. Thank you, Howard. <laughs> um, thank you, Howard, as always. So I'll go first. I think I, I feel like I rarely go first. Uh, I'm going to just give it an even slobber knocker because I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was particularly great either. Uh, and it didn't get me, like, super excited or anything. I thought it was just kind of, like, a pretty good show. And clearly, now I don't know if it's just me being biased towards, like, the era that started a few months later. Like, that late 2014 through 2015 period where I really, like, jumped into it and fell in love with it. I don't know if I just didn't enjoy it that much because... The people I fell in love with in 2015 weren't really a part of it, but it just it didn't feel to me as good as like the takeovers I got into like eight months, ten months, twelve months later. So for me, just a slobber knocker. What about you? Yeah, I'm gonna go with slobber knocker as well. There wasn't as many matches as I thought they would be on this card because the show was only two hours long, but the the three main the three marquee matches they they delivered uh like i said like you like you said it's 
it's not the NXT that I fell in love with, but I can see where I can see where everything like started and what made these what kind of led to these guys being on TV on and on WWE on and on uh, Raw and SmackDown for the most part. But I really did enjoy it. I thought that Paige and Emma, I thought that was a great match. Like we talked about at the top of the show about how wrestling's changed, so that match might not live up to a women's match now, nowadays, which is fine, but I thought those two had a great match. Cesaro and Sami Zayn we'll get to in a second. The latter match for the NXT title, I thought that was that was fun, but just watching this, I just thought about like these guys didn't really amount to anything except for Woods, and Neville was the NXT champion. Didn't really amount to anything until he became cruiserweight champion. Bo Dallas never amounted to anything on the, on the main WWE roster because he does get called up after this show, after WrestleMania. Paige, unfortunately, unfortunate what happened to her, but they pushed her to the moon initially. But I did enjoy I did enjoy the show. Uh, the seeds were planted for good things leading into the future for these guys. But like we said, nothing really was made out of anybody to be made of a big deal. Right. Uh, agreed completely. Uh, opening match, Sami Sammy Zayn and Cesaro. Uh, they had a lengthy feud leading up to this match. Uh, Sami Zayn, so it's funny because obviously you know I always use Sami Zayn as like the example of the internet wrestling community like not understanding what makes wrestling good and everybody can't be Sami Zayn and everybody shouldn't be Sami Zayn and I think a lot of times that has come across like I was not a Sami Zayn fan which couldn't be further from the truth but the thing that I I mentioned the commercials that I that I remembered from back then and the ones that would make me roll my eyes and be like nope this isn't for me the one moment that I remember from the uh that NXT commercial is the Sami Zayn doing the suicide dive, like flip over the top rope. And like, that was always the thing I remembered where I'd be like, yep, that's what these guys probably like. <laughs> so it, it's funny because that is how I thought of Sami Zayn then. Like I did not think of him positively. And obviously he won me over when I started watching NXT, uh, when I got to meet him and talk to him at the performance center. And then when I got to see him do some, re- like he's done some really good things on the main roster, like obviously hasn't become like a, a cornerstone type person for them, but we've seen him do a lot in on the main roster that has been good and enjoyable, and he's he's become one of my favorites. But uh, what did you think of Cesaro and Sami Zayn? I thought this was one of the best matches of the decade. This actually made my honorable mention, unfortunately, on the decade list because <laughs> the, you talked about these guys having a feud. They had matches that were just as good, if not better than this. Like the two out of three falls match they had, it was before it wasn't on NXT TV, but when it was on the network, but you can actually go find it on the network now. But those matches were outstanding. And I just miss Sami Zayn wrestling. Cause I don't think he's wrestled a match in WWE in at least a year, but he has been on television as Nakamura's manager. Just the storytelling in this match and the back and forth and the will of Sami Zayn. And you sh- you talked about this all the time with Sami Zayn about, even being a mass wrestler, his facials were perfect, and all his facials were, I thought, were perfect in this match, especially when he couldn't even put Cesaro away. And what about Cesaro as well? Because Cesaro in 2014, 15, that's just, this is like when he's at his probably at his 
heights and popularity and he will become a, he will actually go on to win the Memorial Battle Royal the first one and become a Paul Heyman guy but that didn't really amount to anything but this was definitely at Cesaro's peak and both these guys I thought they have excellent chemistry you can see it on TV now because Cesaro is also paired with them now but they have excellent chemistry in the ring as well and the match was just phenomenal I can't say a lot enough about this match thought it was an excellent match Again, like you could clearly see Sami Zayn being, you know, much to what I thought, like the the crowd favorite of that particular crowd. Uh, Again, you see how good he is at expressing his emotions with his face, with his body language. Uh, He makes you root for him. He makes you feel sympathy for him. And you, he's one of those guys that, like, you legitimately feel bad and you feel disappointed when he loses a big match. And that kind of was what his character became at that time. Like, the guy who never really won the big match until he finally did. And even that came with, like, the heartbreak of seeing him get destroyed by Kevin Owens immediately after winning that big match. Um, a really promising uh, career that I guess didn't pan out the way a lot of people would have liked it to in WWE. But like I said earlier, he, he has done a lot of really entertaining, really fun things in his time on the main roster. But yeah, I thought this was a great match. I think it's two guys who could have been used so much better than they have been in the time since then. Uh, and two guys I think everyone probably assumed would be a lot further along and a lot more successful like now. Like, back then, they probably thought they would have come a lot further now than they have. But you can't take anything away from these two guys as far as their talent and what they did on this particular night. And one of the things I thought of, you obviously saw, the we, they did the whole show of respect after the match. And my first thought was, like, this whole thing is kind of played out. But I guess it wasn't then. I feel like... Since then, it has become played out where it's like yeah. everybody does that now. Yeah. And like that was my first thought. I was like, all right, this again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe this was like one of the earlier times of them feeling the need to do this. Yeah. And like the crowd having to give like the send off, you know, to the person. It's like, okay, we've seen that so many times since then. Obviously, I don't know if that was a, a regular thing in NXT at that time, but it definitely became that. Like, not long after. Uh, what do you think... Like, would you say this was, like, a high point for these two guys at this time? Like, have either one of them reached a higher point than this since then? Uh, Cesaro, like I said a few minutes a few minutes ago... 2014 led in this match act in that same that same as any feud actually led into him kind of maybe being the biggest he's ever been in WWE. Like I said, he became the Heyman guy, which didn't really amount to anything because Heyman would talk about Brock Lesnar more than he talked about Cesaro. But then the next year he would team up with Tyson Kidd and have those. And when Tyson Kidd would get hurt, he would have those matches with Cena in the U.S. Open Challenge. So 2014, 2015, I think that's the peak of Cesaro's popularity. And Sami Zayn, it's kind of hard to judge Sami Zayn because in NXT he got so much love. He he's he's renowned for his work, especially the matches that he put on. Especially his finale with Nakamura at Takeover Dallas, <clears throat> but in the main WWE roster, he's left. It's hard to judge him because he's had so many stop and stop, stop and goes. Because 
they pushed him the, the him and Kevin Owens thing. But we were at the Battleground 16 show where Sami Zayn defeated Kevin Owens. We thought that would be it, and they put up the whole. Uh, it's got it's going to be over. This, this has to end. But then they fought each other like the next month anyway on TV, and Sami Zayn never got away from that. He's always been kind of linked to Kevin Owens, even when he joined forces with Kevin Owens. He was still linked to Kevin Owens, and now he's linked with Nakamura, but he hasn't been wrestling. So Sami Zayn never really got an opportunity to be that worker in the ring, but he has shown a lot more personality than he's ever had in NXT. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. I mean, I guess there's still time for both guys, so we'll see if they become the future of the company, but <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, we got, after this, uh, a Mojo Rally vignette. Oh, uh, they were hyping him up as a, a big star. Uh, I, I don't even really remember what the, the vignette was, other than the, the whole stay hype thing. Uh, then we got a match. CJ Parker... Uh, not a fan versus Mojo Rally, also not a fan. Uh, it was billed during the entrance that you can't help but like Mojo Rally, and sorry guys, you can help <laughs> but like Mojo, like can be helped. Uh, easy win for Mojo, who's a the guy they were obviously very high on and pushing, and they really made it a point to talk about him as a star of the future. Uh, so this was in February of 2014. We are now in February of 2020. So, gentlemen, the future has called, and <laughs> he's not a star here either. So, Alo, any thoughts on Mojo versus C.J. Parker? Uh, C.J. Parker, what the hell was that? Uh, poor, I, I just felt so bad watching this. I was saying to myself, like, they really had him do this? So They really so, did. Yeah, so to answer my whole multiple choice of what what the hell happened, Vince didn't resonate all the above, I'm going with what is this because you can't expect that to get over. But I'm glad for the, I'm happy for the guy that he's killing it in New Japan and that he turned down WWE while he was the IWGP US champion on coming back because they were they were reportedly coming after him heavy to come back to the company. So I'm glad he turned him down in that regard, but this didn't help anybody. Yeah, no, it didn't. And C.J. Parker, like, I didn't like his whole look. His whole vibe didn't do it for me. I didn't. I don't like the, even, like, just the way he moves, I don't really like. I don't know, just something about him rubs me the wrong way. Never liked him, never was a fan of him. Was glad when he was gone from NXT. And I was definitely not one of the people that was, like, excited. What did he win, the U.S. title in New Japan? Yeah. I definitely wasn't one of the people that was excited when he, I mean, obviously, good for him. I don't wish any ill will on him, but I was not a fan. I'm still not a fan. Uh, and this is, it was like weird to look back on thinking like, you guys thought Mojo Rally was going to be a big deal? <laughs> like, how did you think? Who thought that? And how did you think that? And also, yeah, I'll go with CJ Parker. What the hell is this? And, uh, I, I guess I'll say the same thing for for Mojo because I I don't I didn't oh, yeah. see it then I, I, and I, I don't see it, it I, now. I, I would never get hype for Mojo. No, I was not hyped then, am not hyped now, and was never hyped anywhere in the six years in between. Uh, we got an Emolution vignette after this, <laughs> hyping Emma, which it is so funny to look at like that version of Emma. K 
compared to what she turned into not long after. Yeah. Like, two very like, different things. Yeah, because I, I wasn't familiar with the whole this gimmick with Emma in NXT. I just saw it. The first time I saw it was on the main roster for the most part. And it seemed like a lot of fun in NXT. Way more. Than, and it didn't translate well onto the main roster. Yeah, it definitely didn't translate to the main. I mean, that actually became part of her story. Was like, and I think they use this with Bailey. Like, they all loved me in NXT. I went to Raw and they hated me. And the same thing is going to happen to you. I, I'm pretty sure they use that as part of their story mm-hmm. when she came back. Uh, it's and also funny. So she went from that version of Emma to the version of Emma with Dana Brooke, to Emmalina for a hot second, to just gone. (laughs) Clearly it was someone they had high hopes for, did not pan out, but uh, I don't know. I I guess, like, one of the things I'll give them credit for on this is they did do a lot of, like, vignette work with the talent. Like, they definitely went that little bit of an extra mile to... To like try to suck you into to some of these characters. Immediately following this, we got a vignette for the Ascension. Also, guys, I was never really a fan of. Um, and they had a match against Too Cool, which obviously I was very <laughs> excited to see. This Too Cool, slightly past their prime, but still hitting all the, all the right notes. Um, we got most of a worm. Yes. Uh, we got the. Um, the Grandmaster Sex A, I forget what that dance is called. It's not the Running Man. It is the, I can't remember, but we got it. Uh, and basically they were dominated by the Ascension. Uh, any thoughts on this match or those guys? Well, the Ascension, I thought their presentation was always well done. The entrance and everything, I thought it was always great. And I just wish it kind of translated to the main roster, could be, but it just it just didn't because our, we were at the Royal Rumble when they made their pay-per-view debut, and after that, it was over for them. And yeah. they've only had maybe a month months or a month and a half's worth of time to actually get themselves over, but I thought they were presented very well in NXT, especially in this match. And even, they might not be that great in the ring, but the story that they were telling was that these two guys, they were so dominant, and, and teams were breaking up, trying to beat them, and guys were just coming together, coming together to try and beat them. So I did enjoy the story that they actually told about the Ascension as 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 a as a tag team. I just wish maybe they got a better shake in WWE because after that initial push, small push they got to see if they can get it over. The most we saw saw them was on a uh, Fashion Peaks. <laughs> with, uh, Rizongo. Yeah. And that which, was it. And which, that was was, which, which was enjoyable. Yes. Uh, I guess the thing that maybe like the, they're like a cautionary tale of like the limitations of NXT. Because like if you're going to make someone's whole identity that they're unstoppable or unbeatable at NXT, if you don't put them on the main roster and make them unbeatable and unstoppable, like. What are they then? You know what I mean? Like, if you spend a year making someone that in NXT, there's no way really to replicate that on the main roster because they're typically not going to bring somebody from NXT up and have them dominate 
the established main roster talent. And I feel like that, it happened to Asuka. Like, once she couldn't be absolutely dominant and unbeatable, it kind of took away, like, all the interest in her. And she's not the only one that that happened with. Like, I feel like that has happened all the time. So is there, does that make you think that there's anyone, anyone we may see soon that suffers kind of that same fate? In NXT? Like, someone that they just, their whole identity in NXT was unbeatable, unstoppable, and then they get to the main roster, and they can't be that, and they lose, like, all of the interest behind them. Like, do you see anyone else that has happened to, or anyone else that you think that is going to happen to? Uh, well, you'll see where I'm going with this, but I think... I think the interest is dropped off, just like the Ascension. Like Ascension was was huge and huge and over in NXT, but then translate to the to Raw and SmackDown. So I'll I'll give a comparison, and, and that's the Viking Raiders. But one, you change their name. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 was, that, that was that whole fiasco. I, yeah, yeah. You change that. They didn't. They, I think mentioned change their name two or three times. But that 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 was that was bad enough. So you could have just left them as the, as the War Raiders, and you know how fans want to. Channel along with entrances, so you couldn't just go, go war, war, war. So that was the first problem. And then they get a little as phenomenal of athletes as they are, they get little to no reaction from anybody, even when they were in that uh, feud with the with Rollins and AOP and Murphy. And happened for them they've been attacking champions but i don't think anybody's taken to them at all yeah i mean that happened to authors of pain too yeah same like, thing with them yeah they were built as the monsters that were unstoppable and then all of a sudden they were stoppable you know yeah uh i like is that gonna happen to Shayna baszler like that, that's that, her that's whole weird. identity is yeah. that nobody could beat her now she's on the main roster and it's like she's not gonna dominate like the women's division on either show for the next year, and that, I, I feel like that takes away from from what she did, uh, or well, it's going to take away from what she can be. Well, the only thing that I, I have faith that they won't mess her up because, well, let me say I, I I have faith they will mess her character up because we talked about this a lot. She's basically the female Samoa Joe. She's just a badass. Like she might lose the big matches, but I don't think that they'll mess her character up at all. Well, I hope not because we've talked about it at length on this show, like the strides that she has made and the improvements that she's made. And I don't want to see that get derailed because she has earned uh, like a good spot on the main roster, I think. And I I know everyone on this podcast agrees with that. Uh, We got a a page vignette, a much younger, much more innocent uh, (laughs) page. Then the one we know now. Uh, and then ringside, we had Richard and Ashley Flair. <laughs> Talk about looking different. Yeah, uh, definitely look different. Uh, rolled my eyes when I saw the two of them. Like, God, I still got to see these two, even on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we had Stephanie come out, so it's like, okay, I got to see her too. <laughs> and how funny is it that the the hardcore dork wrestling fans chanting, you still got it, to Stephanie? Yeah, I, lo- I, I did laugh at that. Like, come on. Like, 
You're, you're so untrue to yourselves. Uh, but I did appreciate her saying I never lost it. I don't know what it is that she's supposed to still have. I know. Like, I don't know what she did that they, that they said she still got it. But they gave her that chant anyway. And she introduced uh, the women's match, saying that they could be just as good, if not better, than the men. I know you kind of posted a similar sentiment to that on Instagram. And I assume that this match is probably one of the reasons why you wanted us to review this show. So give me give me your feelings on on Emma versus Paige. Well, for, first off, the whole point of Ashley being... At ringside, it was a it was a sign of things to come because Ashley's reign of terror will begin, and at, at the at the next takeover when yeah. she becomes women's champion. So I, I thought it was perfect that she was actually in the crowd to to piss you off. So yeah, I, I, well, I, I, it worked. Well, no, one thing about this match there. that I want to talk about, Emma. Okay, we have one thing I want to talk about this match. Emma was so good. Uh, we don't get to see enough of her today because she's an Impact Wrestling and we don't really pay attention to Impact. And she's not on TV a lot. But I just thought that she stood out so much in this match. I This might be one of Emma's best matches, if not her second favorite match of mine. My favorite match of hers is when she fought Asuka at TakeOver London. But I thought she took it to Paige. I thought everything she did was was great. I, uh, I learned a lot more about her moveset. Like she would kind of throw her name and her moves, uh, the Emma Mike sandwich, yeah. <laughs> Emma Mike sandwich. Uh, it, it was great. Uh, I forgot what she called the tarantula move she did, but, uh, yeah, she took it to page and I thought they told an excellent story. And they talked about this a lot on all the DVDs or interviews they've ever done about this. And Hunter was. They told Hunter said, "Hey, you, you got. You, if you can think, you guys can go just as much good as the boys. Go ahead. Here's your chance." And this was the first time they actually gave them the chance and actually got a chance to showcase it, even though it was on the network. But this would also translate to Paige winning the title the night after Mania, and then her and AJ Lee had that feud throughout the year, and they were actually given more time. But the next year, the hashtag would actually become real. Would give D was a chance, but they actually started off with Paige. And AJ Lee giving them a chance. And when it comes to the page vignette, I thought it was funny how I'm basically paraphrasing a bit, but she's basically she was basically deemed as the anti diva, but she kind of became the total diva. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even though she's even though she kind of she's kind of stayed with her little goth look a little bit, but she she has a whole Hollywood production on her face and mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole fashion thing. So she she's basically kind of become a total diva. So I always thought that was funny. I wanted to point that out and. Uh, Emma kicking out of the page turner, I thought it was good because they would say putting that over how nobody ever kicked out of the page turner. And this is the first time that Paige pull up, pulled out the PTO and Emma was forced to tap out. But I thought Emma had an excellent shot. I thought she dominated Paige. And this match d- d- does deserve the acclaim that it got. But also, when we talked about the top of the show, six years later, the wrestling landscape has changed. So this match might just be a match to some people. But I think that this match was a big deal and still is a big deal to me yeah so my notes from this match first one is how much i popped for william regal dancing uh, (laughs) along with emma's entrance i thought was great and perfect for william regal um that page does not look like the same person anymore uh because she doesn't um and then the thing that i that i asked you kind of answered it but 
I mean, if if you have thoughts on what I'm about to ask, obviously feel free. Do you think that this match is underrated, or do you think that it's it's just not quite the same caliber of match that we've cut that we've gotten used to over the six years since then? Like, because I think it's not on the same level as a lot of what we've seen the last six years, but also it came before all of that stuff. So I don't know if it's underrated or it's just time has made it look different than it did then. Yeah, time has... Well, I'm going to go with both those. I'm going to go with both. With time... Since time has passed, it we do look at it different, but that's what a lot of these NXT matches, especially even Sasha Banks, you know, like her match with Becky Lynch, that match gets forgotten all the time. Some of Sasha's and Charlotte's matches, they might get forgotten. Like I'm sure the the, the R Evolution match gets forgotten a lot over time because because there's just so much to go off of now. And if you unless you really sit down and think about it, you're not going really going to bring that up. You might bring something else up, but I still think a lot of those NXT matches. Are above the main roster matches, but this match in particular, Paige and Emma, I do think it is forgotten and it's it's forgotten and underrated because of the time span and we're accustomed to so much more now. Yeah, like if you if you just kind of in a vacuum, like some alien came down from another planet and they've never seen wrestling before, and if you put this match on against like uh, Bailey. And Sasha from NXT Takeover Brooklyn, and you put those both both matches on back to back. The Alien would absolutely like the Sasha Bailey match yeah. more, and but like I said, that there is something to be said for like it came first. Like it maybe maybe the best way to look at this is like this is what set the bar for everything that came after it. Like everything, the next big women's match had to live up to this one. You know, and they kind of kept topping themselves ever since then. But like this was where it started, so maybe like that's the the respect that it that it deserves to get is like this. This is what led to all the other stuff that we have loved over the last six years, as opposed to like looking back on it and thinking, well, this isn't as good as as I remembered it, or this isn't as good as like this match or that match. It was great for its time, and it helped lead. Like into a lot of those matches that we loved that came after it, um, and I agree with you completely. I think Emma is really good. I think she's really underappreciated, and I don't know if we'll ever see her. Like I don't. I honestly, unfortunately, don't know if we'll ever see her on a stage that she like deserves to be on. Yeah, because she's bounced around to companies because after WWE, she was with Ring of Honor. Then she unfortunately got hurt, and now she's with Impact Wrestling. She did challenge for the title, but she she lost in that match. And who, I'm not sure if she's doing anything now, storyline-wise, but yeah, I don't know when she's ever going to get her true shot because she, she was outstanding in this match. Yeah, and she had a lot of outstanding performances before that and after that and just never really... I mean, honestly, we could say that about almost everyone that's on this card. She just never really got the opportunity to be, like, the best version of herself in WWE, unfortunately. Uh, we had an Adrian Neville vignette, which is funny now to see the the, the first names back on some yes. of these people. Uh, and obviously, Neville Neville's an interesting one because I feel like he had some real selling points in that he did not look... Like, what he did did not look like what anybody else was doing. 
He was definitely like separate yeah. from everyone else. Like he was his own thing. And it's just crazy that now I I know he had that run as the cruiserweight champion, but as good as that run was, there's no way that's on par with being like a world champion or an intercontinental champion. Like he was never really all that prominent. Uh, but it's crazy that they could not make a little more out of him than they did because of how unique he was. Like, and I'm someone that you know, like like I said earlier, like I roll my eyes at the. Uh, the kind of acrobatic workers, but like Neville was always a guy that I didn't feel that way about. I always thought he was fun to watch. I don't know if it's because he kind of had that mean streak. I don't know if it's because he had the physicality to go along with the high flying stuff. But to me, he was. I I always looked at him as like separate from that genre of wrestler, and it's disappointing that they they could not get more out of him. Again, you could say it about almost anyone that was on this card, but I don't know. Do, do you feel like Neville in NXT, were you, like, in on him? Did you kind of miss that whole thing? Like, I, I'm, I'm curious, because I feel like Neville is someone we definitely didn't talk about a lot at the beginning of this podcast. I think we talked about him more during that cruiserweight reign, but, like, I don't feel like he was a guy we had a lot of appreciation for when we started. So, like, do, do you feel like, am I remembering that correctly? Uh, well, some somewhat, because I think the biggest detriment to Neville was meeting Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> because I remember when Neville first got called up, but I was on the Neville train. Like, you talked about his moveset, and then also, even though he's short, that's he's shredded and right. he has a lot of thickness and size to him. So when you see that, it's like wow, like this guy is awesome. But when he first got called up, I remember one of his first times on the main roster, he challenged Seth Rollins for the world title, and I'm sure you remember that match too. And he almost won. But you you always hear how Vince is enamored with certain titles, and one thing is like having a character is like that's like a superhero. And I think that whole uh, Green Arrow Stardust thing didn't do him any favors. We weren't, we didn't have the podcast yet at the time. We wouldn't get the podcast until uh, January because that stuff happened. That program happened mm-hmm. in the summer. But after the after he did that program, I, he wasn't really doing anything at all. And then we got to the end of 2016 with the cruiserweight title thing, and that was amazing. And he was one of the highlights of raw but i think his biggest problem was that he ran to vince mcmahon and vince kind of steered him in the wrong direction because everybody loved neville and you know vince has these vince has to like throw all these nicknames at you and this and that and all it, it like i said his biggest problem was vince and that was his biggest detriment to his career yeah uh, i and i the funny thing is like that was like widely known even at the time like that this is not working out for this guy because of the guy at the top like just doesn't doesn't really know how to handle him and is handling him in all the wrong ways uh ringside we had pat patterson and dusty (laughs) which was uh, a pleasant sight to see 
I forgot that uh, we would we were likely to see Dusty there. I got like excited when I saw him. Uh, brought uh, a smile to my face when I saw him sitting there. Obviously, he is someone who I hope no one ever forgets the crucial role he played in like why we all fell in love with NXT at this time. Like he was a big, massive part of the reason why. We cared about it and loved it as much as we did in 2015 and 2016. Uh, and obviously a guy who, who is uh, dearly missed uh, in that community and like by those like by the young talent down there. It's a guy that like I don't know how you how you replace that. I don't know if like HBK is kind of probably somewhat in a similar role to what Dusty was. but like HBK to me, I don't know if he has the same things to teach. That Dusty did. Because it's almost like when someone is talented in a certain way, like Magic Johnson was not a good coach. Because Magic Johnson can't coach you to play how Magic Johnson played. Like Michael Jordan would not have been a good coach for that reason. Isaiah Thomas was not a good coach for that reason. Oh, he was terrible. (laughs) I feel like a lot of those types of guys, like the transcendent superstars in an industry have a really hard time translating that into coaching. And I'm not implying at all that HBK is not doing a good job because I have no idea what he's doing. But I just look at him as like, I don't know if he can teach someone to do things the same way that someone like Dusty did, who really had to get... Like, he had to squeeze everything out of what he had because he did not have a good physique. Uh, He was not like the biggest, strongest guy like he was not the best looking guy and hbk kind of was all those things at that time uh so i i just wonder if there's like anyone that could fill those boots that that dusty had uh and i, I just hope that his place in nxt history is remembered um next match we got was a pre-New Day Xavier Woods versus <laughs> Tyler Breeze. Pre-selfie stick Tyler Breeze. Yes. Which was funny to see. Uh, how funny is it that Xavier Woods is the one who suggested the idea of Tyler Breeze Love to it. him? Like, I, I just remember hearing him say that. Like, Basically, couldn't come up with, with anything that would stick. He was just kind of there going through the motions and trying to come up with characters. And Xavier Woods comes up with the idea of a model. And obviously you got to give Tyler Breeze credit for taking it the distance that he did. Yeah. Obviously it wouldn't have mattered without his ability to pull it off. But like, just funny that you have Xavier Woods who came up with the new day, who had the plan to get Kofi a world title, came up with the Tyler Breeze character. Like, it makes me feel like Xavier Woods, as much as he's beloved, is like a very underappreciated guy in WWE. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when you think about how good he actually is as a wrestler. Yeah. And he didn't even get to do that in this match. Like, I yeah. was waiting. I was like, oh, I'll get to see Xavier Woods. And you don't. Uh, now, I guess first, before we get into what actually happened, any thoughts on either of these two guys? Uh, well, you already know I love Tyler Breeze. Uh, I didn't know that he didn't have. I don't. I don't remember that he didn't have his music at the time. Because mm-hmm. I love that song. Just him talks, <laughs> talking on the song. Uh, Woods. Like I said, he was on the main roster at this time, teaming with our Truth and the Funkadactyls. But 
this was mainly about Rusev and Rusev would debut the night after WrestleMania, or was that WrestleMania in the Battle Royal? I think um, if he wasn't at the Battle Royal, he was on definitely on the night after WrestleMania, and that's where his year started. Of t- his year of terror started. But as you know, I'm a huge Tyler Breeze fan, and would basically to put Rusev over. Yeah, so Alexander Rusev at the time. Yes, Alexander Rusev, yes. Which is funny. With the original presentation of Lana, which is light years better than anything they're doing with her lately. A shame. What could have been? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I kind of wanted to see a match between these two because I thought it obviously would be a great match. We didn't get it. Uh, But it was kind of cool to see (coughs) Rusev as he was originally intended to be. And also funny seeing that like serious, uh, like brooding monster of a character after knowing like what he would become. <laughs> like that he probably became way more known for his comedic sensibilities than his being a gigantic monster. Yeah, and like you said, who would have known that he had this comedic timing? I, I mean, I wouldn't have known, but I'm glad I. we got to see it. Uh, but but this ultimately was kind of a disappointment because I really wanted to see these two have a match. So this even might be a reason why I didn't love this show as much as I wanted to was because I was looking forward to that and there was just nothing there. Uh, we got a Bo Dallas vignette and it's funny because I've mentioned a few times that I was not interested in NXT at this time, that I was rolling my eyes at it. And I mentioned the idea that like... The same, the shot of Sami Zayn flipping over the top rope in the commercial was part of like the turnoff for me. But the one thing that I do remember standing out in a positive way was Bo Dallas, because the whole Bo Leave thing. I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's it's funny to me, and I was like intrigued by it. Obviously, we didn't get to see a ton of Bo Leave on the main roster. But I do think Bo Dallas was, like, a super talented guy. I think uh, the Bo Leaf stuff, like, was really funny. And I always really enjoyed it. Uh, Like, just that, like, delusional... I've always loved that. Like, the delusional character that, like, thinks they're something they're not. That, like, doesn't realize they're not what they say they are. They're not what they think they are. And Bo Dallas played that perfectly. And I, I feel like there was a lot more mileage they could have gotten out of it. Uh, any thoughts on the Bo Dallas, just that character and the vignette that they showed prior to the main event? Yeah, during the match, they talked about how for 260 days that I believe the fans were saying they didn't want Bo. Basically, the fans didn't want Bo there anymore. <clears throat> yeah. But so I'm not familiar with his mic work or whatever on NXT, but what he did on the main roster with the whole Bo Lee thing, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was, I think I thought it was funny and delusional. And every time he would want a match, when a match like, I won, mm-hmm. I did it. I, I, I did enjoy that, but I'm not so sure what really happened to him. I just, maybe the fan, I, I think I'll just say the fans didn't resonate with it because he also didn't develop much of a reaction either from what, from what things I remember. But He's he's another case. Big deal. NXT was a champion, and then basically amounted to nothing. And now he's basically an afterthought. And unless you check dot com's roster, you will forget he's still on the active roster. Right. Uh, he's a guy that like there probably should be some hope for still, if only because he of his lineage, like that he is the son of IRS, that he is the brother of Bray Wyatt. 
is probably a guy that they won't give up on, and maybe they'll eventually find something that sticks for him. Because I think he has the ability to be something, but obviously it didn't come to fruition. But we have the main event, the first ever NXT ladder match between Adrian Neville and Bo Dallas. Uh, The first thing I just kind of want to point out is the little uh, promo package they did. I laughed out loud when Neville said, you know, I've never been in a ladder match, but I've been going back and studying tapes of previous ladder matches, studying the techniques. It's like, what techniques are you studying? Like climbing the ladder slow enough that the guy can catch up to you no matter where he is when you start climbing it? That's like, an art. Really, that's really the only technique there is in a ladder match. Like what techniques are you studying? The, the technique of j- just climbing a ladder. And most of you guys in a ladder match don't climb a ladder that well, which is why they uh, play out the way they do. Um, HBK comes out, which I wasn't expecting, uh, promoting his Mr. WrestleMania DVD, which I thought was funny. Putting uh, himself over. Yeah. What, what did you, uh, what did you think about HBK's, uh, performance? He looked a whole lot younger too. Mm-hmm. Had a lot more hair. Yes. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as thin yet. It was not. Uh, and again, who would have thought? At that time, that this guy would be like working there six years later. Like, he's actually an employee there. He's actually part of developing what they're doing down there now, which I thought was, was interesting to see. But the main event, um, I don't know. How did you feel about this main event? Because I, for me, I, it didn't quite grab me the way I wanted it to, and I'm curious, like, your view on it. Yeah, I agree. I thought it, sh- it, it needed more time, but yet it didn't really, it didn't really grab my attention. Of course, the lat, of course, the uh, the last five minutes is what's always going to grab you in any match. But yeah, nothing really noteworthy happened. I thought uh, Neville hitting the red arrow. On the ladder, I thought it was fine. Um, yeah, there, there wasn't really much to this ladder match. Uh, it told the story of basically Bo, um, Bo being there for being champion for for the 260 days and not trying to lose the title. Other than that, I don't think it really told much. And I'm not sure how many times Neville would actually challenge for the title if, it's not, if this is his first time or not, but they made a, such a huge deal about him actually winning him being the face of NXT leading into the future. Yeah. The, the other thing, though, that I did think was interesting is I thought these guys were, like, good opponents for each other. Like, Neville, you obviously have the... He's the high flyer. He is, you know, a strong, powerful guy. But then you have Bo, who... On the surface is this kind of goofy, silly, delusional character, but he does have this mean streak, and he is kind of violent, and I don't want to say sadistic, because that's not quite the right word, but you could kind of see the evil in Bo, that's like underneath, and I thought that makes for like an interesting dynamic between the two guys, but I just didn't think they got the most out of them. Like the end felt rushed. Like it didn't feel like a dramatic ending to the match. Uh, it just—I don't know—it ended, and I was like, "Huh, that was it." I thought I expected a lot more, and it sounds like you agreed with it. 
Uh, and maybe that's another part of the reason why, like, my rating is where it is, where I was like, okay, that was okay. I thought it was going to be better than it was. But if you try to take yourself out of every, well, first, do you have any more, uh, anything else to say about the, the main event or either of these two guys? No, I just thought they put way more emphasis on the post-match <laughs> than probably the entire match. Because like I said, the oh, the last few minutes of the match were the most entertaining, but that's what any wrestling match. But yeah, there wasn't much to this, I don't think. Uh, so then my, my feeling then is if you take yourself out of everything you've seen from NXT since and you try to just put yourself into the position of this is the first time NXT is presenting itself in this way. Like, how? what do you think of the job they did? And do you think this show kind of lived up to whatever excitement any viewer had at the time? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because it's the first show, and they did everything perfectly. And you talked about the vignettes before the champions' matches, uh, Ascension, Paige, Emma, and uh, Neville and Bo Dallas, it got these guys over because these are the guys that you're going to see the most, especially if you're not familiar with them. You got to know who these guys are. And it's like, oh, I like this person. Ooh, uh, oh, I can relate to this person. So I thought they presented it very well. And NXT, we've always heard Triple H talk about this. It's going to be presented presented the same way as any WWE product will be. So the pre- the presentation was there as well. So I thought I did a great job for a first show on the ne- actual on the network because they were already airing this, I believe, on Hulu or wherever it was. It was streaming. It was it, it was already a work a working product. So I think I did a good job for the first night. I think so too. Like I can sit here all I want and say that I was underwhelmed by it, but. If I had sat down, or if somebody like turned it on while I was in the room at the time, it probably would have caught my attention. At least a couple of the matches or a couple of the characters would have caught my attention, and probably would have they would have presented a couple people that I would have been interested to see again. So if that's real, that's really what your goal is with a first a first try of something is to like make people want to see it again. And I definitely think they did that. Obviously the, the level of success they had over the rest of the year and the next year and the year after that. And obviously to where they are now, where I think NXT became bigger than they could have ever envisioned. Um, it all started with that as far as I'm concerned. So successful in, in that sense. Uh, any final thoughts on NXT takeover arrival? No. Anything you want to throw in from weekly product? Uh, have you seen the clip with Ronda Rousey and not Ronda Rousey, uh, Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch? I know. The only thing I'm aware of, I saw the image of Shayna covered in blood, and I'm aware that she like bit Becky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so she bit Becky early in the night. Then Becky would return and retaliate. Is it true or was it a joke that Becky showed up like in an ambulance or something? Yeah, yeah. Driving the ambulance? I don't recall. I, I just I just saw the image. So it truly just sounds like they're borderline just having her do more Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff. Yeah, but it works. And it's new because we talked about that a few weeks ago after the Royal Rumble happened. Uh, the investment that we have on Becky Lynch at this point because she's been in this character for a year, for almost a year, for over 
yeah, about a year and a half now, and she's been champion. She's going to be champion going to WrestleMania for a year. And at this point, the only investment we really have in her is her opponent, and that's Shayna Baszler. And that's the match that we're all excited to see. So, so far, uh, we're, we're still early in WrestleMania season. You feel like this is, uh, so far, they're handling that well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they continue to because I'll definitely, if I don't watch the entirety of WrestleMania, I'll definitely at least see some of it. And I'd like that to be one of the things I'm excited to see uh, come Sunday, April, whatever the hell the date is. Uh yeah, I did. This is like the first week in a while. I know there are a lot of weeks that I, I say like I have no idea what's going on. Usually, I at least know some stuff from social media. Outside of that, I didn't know anything uh, that that happened this week. Somehow, I, I avoided all uh, wrestling social media for this for this week. Uh, the XFL. I guess this we could close it on this. I almost forgot. XFL debuted this weekend. I know we we talked about it a little bit before we started, and I know you didn't like sit down and watch any games. Uh, we kind of both did the same thing. Like I realized it was on, and was like, you know what? I at least have the curiosity of like, what is this gonna look like? What does this look like on TV? And so I tuned in, and I'll say I probably had it on for about eight minutes. Looked at it. I wasn't overly impressed. I didn't feel like I needed to watch it. I didn't feel like I cared who won the game. I didn't feel like it was something I needed to tune into the next week. Kind of saw it was like, okay, that's what it is, and, and moved on. Um, and then I just happened to be seeing social media and got a lot of positive uh, feedback on social media, like way more than I anticipated. I truly thought when this debuted, it was going to get completely shit on uh, on the Internet. Uh, and it didn't. So that was like had to be a pleasant surprise for them. Uh, I don't know what the ratings are. I have no idea what is even a good rating or what their goal could have realistically been for it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. What a. Where do you stand on the XFL so far? I know you probably had the same observations I did. Yeah, I just. I just happened to turn one on because first I was shocked about the TV deals that it had. I was like, ESPN, they got X- XFL on ESPN, uh, and then ABC and the Fox. I was like, really? XFL? Really? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I didn't believe it. I was like, really, Vince? Good job. <laughs> Kudos to you. Uh, the sport's better. I do enjoy them having the betting, the, uh, the over and unders and stuff on the screen. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that part of it. No, you still there? Yeah, 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 froze, froze there for a second. So the last thing I heard you say was the over unders on the screen. Yeah, as a sports better, I do appreciate that that they're not hiding from it and they're embracing sports betting. Um, A a lot of people they they like the kickoff rules because they feel that it's safer. Because because the way I feel about kickoffs and special teams, I feel that it's a death wish. Yeah. Uh, Um, and. Um, you could, uh, the fact that you could hear the coaches on the sideline, that, I, think that, I think that's a nice touch. And I believe the average, don't quote me on this, I think it was $3.3 million and So an outro yeah. raw. <laughs> and SmackDown. Definitely. And 
I did see a report that said that then the first week of the XFL sold more tickets than what was it, the AAF or AFL mm. last year? The first week's XFL tickets outsold the entire season of the other of the AAF or AFL, wow. whatever it was called, and that folded. Well, that company folded. So they didn't play season. So, and you said they outsold their entire season in one weekend. Yeah. So I guess that shows you uh, the difference that money can make. It shows you the difference in like name recognition. Like obviously, people know who Vince McMahon is. People know what WWE is. And while it failed the first time around, there is still a large number of people out there, like the viewing public, that at least remembers the letters XFL. So it had some name recognition as well. And, I mean, it's something that has been talked about for for a while now. I mean, close to two years, right? If not more than two years? Yeah, about two years, yeah. So, yeah, it's had a lot of time to kind of build up some level of interest, a lot of time to, to kind of market itself. And I guess this is probably then, if, you're, if, if what you're saying is accurate about the ticket sales and obviously the ratings, then has to be a better opening weekend than they could have anticipated. And I guess we'll see where it goes from here. Now, do you have any interest in watching it going forward or not really? Well, of course, my, my interest was on, like, I don't know a lot of the players. Uh, I, I know, like, there's like uh, Ely from the Panthers. He's the second round pick of the Panthers. Danell Pumphrey, he rolled the bench. The failure for the Eagles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got a Super Bowl ring out of it. Uh, Carsdale Jones. I didn't know a lot of the players, so I didn't really have a, a lot of interest. I just wanted to see what it looked like and how it, and how it was presented. But, you know, I, if, if there's something on, if I might, have, who knows, I might throw some money on there once a couple <laughs> weeks, a couple times to see to see what happens. But other than that, I don't, I don't, see myself watching it faithfully but I'm, I will tune in if nothing's on yeah uh, I probably won't I don't have much interest in it and obviously I've made my feelings on Vince and the McMahons and WWE very clear for most of the past year I don't foresee anything happening uh, that will make me tune in I wonder how long it is before Vince starts bringing in like Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and Lawrence <laughs> Taylor and Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith, Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly, Dan Marino. Well, I did find it funny. Uh, after after one game, a team's defensive coordinator got fired. I did, I did think it was funny. Yeah, Pepper one Johnson. Game, <laughs> one game, I thought that was funny. It is. But, and I, but I, I told it to a co-worker uh, on Monday after the games happened, and we were talking about it, and I told him, I think this time it'll succeed because – Last time that Vince did this, it was it was at the peak of his popularity with the attitude error. So he tried to like integrate like wrestling right to the to the to the foot to the the XFL and that wasn't and that didn't work at all. And this time I think you can keep the wrestling out of it and I think you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm still very skeptical just because it is clearly a second-rate product, and honestly, maybe even third-rate, because it might have similar or maybe even slightly more talent than college football, but college football at least has, like, the name recognition of the schools and, like, generations and generations of fandom and rivalries and history buildup. 
So I think it's really hard to get people to care about something that is like clearly a lesser product. I could be proven wrong on that. Like there may be a market out there for people that just love football and want to watch it. And they don't need to be drawing NFL type numbers to be successful. So I guess that's another thing they have going in their favor. Yeah, definitely. And I think the ratings will drop off a little bit because the first week's always curiosity. So week two will be way more to go off of than week one. Or it could be that it got so much positive recognition that maybe the ratings go up because people who wrote it off might be like, you know what, maybe I'll see what all this oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. talk is about. Yeah, because I didn't see a lot of people saying that they hated it or anything, but mm-hmm. the week, but the, the first week is always the curiosity factor, and we got to see who comes back the second time, and who knows, more people may actually join. So the, I don't if, if there's a drop, I don't expect a significant drop, but I would def, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a, an increase either. Yeah, uh, and and the gambling obviously also helps a lot. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I guess that is it for the show this week. Uh, any final thoughts or statements? Oh well, next week we're uh, we're going to see Billionaire Ted. Uh, <laughs> so next week's about WCW Super Brawl 1999. At the top of the card, we got Hogan defending the world title against Richard. Mm. That should be fun for you. Mm-hmm. We have Goldberg and Bam Bam Bigelow. Also Scott fun Hall. for me. <laughs> Scott Hall and Roddy Piper for the U.S. title. Scott Steiner and DDP for the TV title. The Outsiders against Conan and Rey Mysterio hair versus mask. Um, Billy Kidman and Shavo for the Cruiserweight title. Chris Jericho with Ralphus, your favorite, mm-hmm. versus Perry Saturn. Mm-hmm. And uh, Booker T against the Disco Inferno. So we're going to see Billionaire Ted next week. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll see how that one goes. What is it, Super Brawl 99? Yes. All right. Well, hopefully everybody is looking forward to that. Hopefully you enjoyed our uh, discussion of NXT TakeOver Arrival. Uh, For Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next week. Hop on the top rope by the land with his elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. This is Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my ball, shut the Vince McMahon. It ain't safe to land, off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome well. What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.